Blog Talk Radio. My producer slam, my flow is like, bam, jump on stage, and then I did this. So nigga, everybody diss, cause you can't bust this. You got a bad name like dick butt kiss. Welcome to the next level of rhyme flowing, scratching, hooking up beats and hoe catching. Every time I come home, I got 50 messages. I only call back the girls with big, big breasts. Ooh, I got biddies in all the major cities. The safest way to have sex is right between us. Excuse me as I kiss the sky. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Thank you for that flowery introduction, Rob, and hello, everybody. Welcome to this January 16th episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Lower, presented by MyFFPC.com, live from the Papa John Studios. Support for the show is also provided in part by Nationwide Insurance. More than 95% of members recommend Nationwide, who has a history of always putting its members first. Find out why at Nationwide.com. That's Nationwide. They are on your side. Greetings and salutations to all the Balkaholics in the chat room listening around the world. I'm your host, the slightly above average Eric Balkman, and my co-host, the original Dizzle, Dave Gerzak, is out in Vegas, allegedly working at the Fantasy Sports Trade Association Winter Conference, so I am flying solo tonight. Hopefully, uh, you guys will be fine with that for the next hour. Coming up on tonight's show, I'm going to talk about what Chan Gailey's hire means for the fantasy prospects for the New York Jets skill players and why EJ Manuel could, emphasis on could, could be an attractive QB2 for those of you playing QBBC in 2015. Plus, we are going to be joined by 2014 FFPC High Society champions Scott Childers and Jared Wada, who will talk about competing against the very best high-stakes players in the world and how they won the league with six, count them six, quarterbacks on their roster. Shout out to the chat room right now. We have, uh, of course, friends of the show, Two Packer, Henry Mudo, Sports Betting Man, all hanging out in there amongst others. We have uh, plenty of uh, other people downloading the show uh, afterwards. Uh, But for those of you listening live, if you have any questions, feel free to post those questions right in the chat room right now. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, you can do so at HSFFHour or at Eric Balkman. You can add the HSFF hashtag to your tweets this evening. You can also post on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. And if you want to chime in and talk with us, give us a call, 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVER. You can also email the show at the FedEx inbox at highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. If you have any questions for us, now is the time to send them. We'll do our best to get to all the chat room questions, tweets, and emails in our fantasy feedback segment later on in the show. Of course, our producer and mutual friend, Rob, uh, as well as our audio engineer, Bryce, they're busy at work behind the glass tonight, helping me out, given that uh, I don't have Dave Gerzak on the show with me tonight. They're going to get all those questions to me on the show tonight, um, you know, via the printer that they have in the uh, studio there. So uh, that is all going to be coming to me. Now is the time to get those questions in, uh, ladies and gentlemen. We have, um, of course, Jared Watt and Scott Childers coming up uh, a quarter after the hour tonight. 
Uh, before we get to them, we'll just go over a few news and notes going around uh, the NFL right now. We'll have our interview with Scott and Jared, and then we'll uh, we'll have some emails and tweets uh, later on in the show. And that'll be the show tonight. And then you can uh, watch the conference championship games being well-prepared for knowing what is going to happen if I'm any sort of expert on the subject, which I am not, but uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, it's going to be a fun weekend regardless. Before I get to the uh, Fantasy Flash uh, tonight, I want to uh, make sure everybody's uh, aware. Obviously, you know, those of you playing daily, I'm one of them. Um, you know, it's it's a very exciting time. We have three more games left in the season to play, but for those of you already looking forward to season-long fantasy football next year, the FFPC will be opening registration for 2015 shortly. I believe it could be as soon as before the end of January, which should be tremendous, which would be awesome. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, but uh, stay tuned for that. That is coming up. But what is live right now? Go to the FFPC message boards. Go to uh, um, uh, myffpc.com and check out the post. I can't remember which thread it's under, but it's it's pinned towards the top of the forums. If you want to take over one of these FFPC dynasty teams that we talk about so much on the show, there are teams available for sale, maybe at a discount. Uh, you can check them out. Dave has all those uh, dynasty teams pinned uh, at the top of the uh, top of the forums. You can uh, check them out. If there's one that you want to take over, send Dave an email at dave at myffpc.com. And uh, he'll set you up, let you know how you can pay for it, take care of the deposit, take care of the entry fee, and you can start getting prepped for your first rookie draft as an FFPC Dynasty owner. So very, very cool. Uh, we have the Dynasty teams going on, but we still do have some stuff to take care of uh, in uh, the 2014 season. So let me get to that here at the top of the show. I want to uh, thank uh, Football Guys and, of course, Roto World for tonight's rundown. We'll kind of cover the news and notes going around in the NFL right now. Leading off tonight, the New York football Jets. They have a new offensive coordinator. His name is Chan Gailey. This according to Rich Simony. I believe I'm pronouncing it right. Uh, on Twitter, uh, Simony is reporting that Chan Gailey is the offensive coordinator. Gailey is uh, 63 years old. He has not coached in the NFL uh, since he was fired as the head coach of the Buffalo Bills after the 2012 season, but Todd Bowles, who is the new head coach for the New York Jets, uh, wanted uh, Chan Gailey to run his offense. Of course, Bowles, a big defensive guy, so Chan Gailey will have his stamp on the offense uh, uh, this season. Gailey, of course, has a 16-32 and 32 record um, over three seasons as the Bills head coach. But remember, he actually made Ryan Fitzpatrick into kind of a fantasy commodity uh, in his time as the head coach at Buffalo. And he was the uh, head coach there when C.J. Spiller had his breakout season of 1,700 yards and eight touchdowns on just 250 touches. Uh, so we'll have to see if the Jets, you know, keep P Percy Harvin on, of course, when they traded for him as sort of a, you know, end of the season deal. We'll see what happens uh, going into 2015. We'll have to see what happens if if he's going to be picked up at for ten and a half million dollars. Uh, Gailey, uh, of course, uh, does like the spread offense, uh, as Roto World puts it. He was Chip Kelly before Chip Kelly was. So uh, again, you know, we'll have to see what happens here as far as the personnel decisions because. Uh, we don't know if Chris Johnson's going to be back. We don't know if Percy Harvin's going to be back. The guys that I am looking at that should be there are uh, Chris Ivory, Eric Decker, of course, Jason Morrow, all there. So uh, I, I think if you look at it from a 
a skill position perspective, you have to like the prospects of Jason Morrow and Eric Decker, um, you know, potentially going up given the spread offense that Chan Gailey will bring in. Uh, we don't know who's going to be the quarterback there. Will it be Geno Smith? Will it be somebody else? We're not sure. Um, but, but, uh, you know, again, it's still kind of early in the going, uh, you know, I, I, I'm giving Decker and Amaro a little bit of an uptick. Obviously, Chris Johnson, I'm, I'm assuming he's not going to be back. I can't imagine the Jets would bring him back after the weapons charges that he's facing and sort of the underwhelming 2014 season that he had. And you have uh, Chris Ivory being the banger between the tackles. Um, we'll have CJ, we'll have a, an update on CJ Spiller. I believe we have, Rob, do we have an email about CJ Spiller tonight? I thought I remember seeing that on the run. We do. Okay. We have an email. So talk about CJ Spiller at the bottom of the hour. Uh, but we'll talk about his prospects of going to New York. But as it stands right now, I kind of like the Gailey hire for uh, for the New York Jets and, and for fantasy purposes. I think that uh, even if you aren't gaga over those Jets players coming in uh, to, uh, to 2015, I think you have to bump them up just a little bit in your rankings based on this Chan Gailey hire. Todd Bowles is going to want to play defense. He's going to want to run. You have to like Chris Ivory. Gailey might want to spread the offense out. So you have to like Amaro and Decker as well. So we'll see what happens. Um, moving on, uh, Rob, we have, <laughs> did you know you put CJ Spiller on the rundown number two tonight? Oh, excuse me. We have, okay. We have an email about EJ Manuel uh, coming up tonight, uh, for the bills offense, but let's talk about CJ Spiller right now, because the bills have already come out and said they want him back in 2015. They want to resign him. They want him to be a big part of. Uh, of their ground game in 2015. However, Spiller came out and said today, this of course, uh, according to the New York Daily News, uh, Spiller said that he and the Jets would, quote, be a perfect match. Spiller going to the New York Jets. He's saying that would be a perfect match. The full quote uh, from CJ Spiller, I'd be foolish not to have those guys on my list. I had my best years in the league with him, referring to Chan Gailey. So it'd be dumb not to give it serious thought. So the Jets probably releasing Chris Johnson if they want to get another sort of speed guy, the uh, the lightning guy to the thunder of Chris Ivory Spiller uh, seems to be a good choice. Again, 1,700 yards and eight touchdowns on just 250 touches back in 2012 under Chan Gailey. So you'll have to look at C.J. Spiller as, I mean, if he goes to New York, uh, that means that the Jets want him. Chan Gailey, uh, Chan Gailey obviously knows how to coach him up into um, – a stratosphere in which he can be very successful. And C.J. Spiller uh, seems like he wants to be in New York. He's a free agent right now. He's not under contract with Buffalo, and it seems like he wants to be a Jet. So I think these are all signs pointing to C.J. Spiller having a bounce-back season in 2015. Now, when I say bounce-back, I don't mean he's going to have another 2012. I mean, he's got several ankle injuries under his belt. He certainly has uh, not shown that he can be the player that he was two years ago. That said, I think you might be able to get a good deal on him in drafts. And who knows, this time next year, we might be talking about C.J. Spiller being the reason that people won a lot of fantasy leagues because they got such a good deal on him. Uh, once we get to uh, June and July after the draft, we'll see how the ADP shakes out to see where Spiller is going. But definitely a name to keep an eye on. Uh, going for Joyke Bell, another name to keep an eye on in 2015. He actually, according to his Instagram account, this uh, reported by Dave Burkett on Twitter, uh, said that he is recovering from an undisclosed operation. Uh, he posted on his Instagram, be right back. I left something uh, that was with a, it was a caption on a photo of Joyke Bell in a hospital bed 
I remember uh, this past year, if you owned a joy, if you own Joe, you know that uh, he had some knee injuries, some ankle problems, Achilles problems uh, last year. He only missed one game. So we'll have to find out what happens, um, you know, in, in the coming days uh, as far as, um, you know, what this operation was. Uh, I think Joyke Bell, as much as you had to be excited about his usage in 2014, I think at the same time, you have to understand that he's not getting any younger. He is certainly not a running back on the uptick of his career. Um, I own him, of course, in the Blake Carrington Dynasty League that I talk about so much on this show. Uh, he is my number one running back uh, in that league. I know it's bad. I have Monte Ball and Carlos Hyde, too. We'll have to see what happens going forward. But I'm definitely not excited about uh, uh, any uh, of those three running backs. Uh, but Joy Bell, going forward, I think that you can look at another good year of, uh, of production uh, coming up in 2015. But it's hard to get really excited about him being a player um, beyond what he has been, what he has exhibited to this point in his career. So. Uh, you know, we'll have to see with Joyke Bell. I, I'm very excited uh, to see what the results were uh, of this operation, what he exactly had surgery on. Uh, obviously, I'm, I'm more concerned if it's a knee or an Achilles, if it was an ankle, you know, rather than an, an ankle injury. Uh, but stay tuned to that because I think that that is, especially if you own Joyke Bell in Dynasty, I think that's a guy that you want to pay attention to uh, going forward. Uh, Jerry Jones uh, acknowledged today that it would be a quote challenge to re-sign both DeMarco Murray and Des Bryant going forward. This according to Brendan George on Twitter. Now, most people expect a lot of football experts, football analysts, uh, football pundits expect Des Bryant to remain a cowboy in 2015, whether it's through a long-term deal, whether it's through the franchise tag, it seems like Des Bryant is going to be a cowboy going forward. That said, Tough to keep both. Maybe DeMarco Murray is the guy they let go. Remember, this was a player that Dallas used up this year. 436 touches. I'm going to repeat that. He had 436 touches, people, this year. I mean, this includes the playoffs, obviously, two playoff games. That's uh, um, carries and receptions. That is a ton of usage. And it seems to me that Dallas just wanted to use him up, see how far they could carry him, that he could carry them this year. And now they'll go into next year with Joseph Randall, Lance Dunbar, who knows, maybe they use the first round pick on Melvin Gordon or Todd Gurley. And all of a sudden he's a massive, I mean, we could be talking about Melvin Gordon or Todd Gurley going the first round of the Dallas Cowboys this year, people, he could be a first round pick in FFPC main, address, uh, main event drafts this year, I am not kidding around. I think that's a real possibility, especially if DeMarco Murray goes. Um, for those of you who listen to the ESPN Fantasy Focus podcast with Matthew Barry or follow him on Twitter, uh, he actually said that he could see DeMarco Murray. And again, you know, say what you will about Matthew Barry, but he does have people in the know, sources in the know. Uh, and he said he could he sees there is a real possibility that DeMarco Murray is gone from Dallas next year. Adrian Peterson is the Cowboys running back. We saw the flirtation earlier in the season uh, between Peterson and Jerry Jones. Who knows that may happen. And folks, if Adrian Peterson is running behind that offensive line in Dallas, he might be the first pick overall. And I think that you have to have a serious discussion. Uh, if you do have the number one pick in redrafts next year, do I take Adrian Peterson? Do I take Le'Veon Bell? Do I take Odell Beckham? All of a sudden, it's a cluster, and we don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, so much more uh, to come on this uh, story uh, with DeMarco Murray and Des Bryant in Dallas. But Jerry Jones, it seems like uh, he's resigned himself uh, to um, 
to not keeping both guys uh, next year. DeMarco Murray is 26 years old. In February, he actually turns 27, uh, and he's hitting free agency this year. So we'll have to see what happens, ladies and gentlemen. It is going to be fun to watch, fun to pay attention to once the Super Bowl happens and we sort of focus to the offseason. Uh, who knows what will happen? It's also going to be very fun to be joined by our guest tonight, and I want to introduce both of them right now. Uh, he has played in fantasy leagues since 1989, starting with a play-by-mail league called Gonzo Football. Only recently did he join the high-stakes leagues run by the WCOF, and then he followed, of course, our good friend Chris Lambert to the FFPC. Although he says he enjoys the main event, he likes the structure of only competing against 11 others as opposed to 1,000 or 1,000-plus, 1, as it were, this year, and knowing that the end result is only controlled to activity within his own league. He is Scott Childers, and he is our first guest tonight. Also joining him is uh, his co-manager, who started in fantasy football in 1996. He played in a dynasty league with friends using newspaper sports pages for stats, and of course, everybody's favorite software program, Lotus 123, to calculate scores. He had the inaugural number one pick in his dynasty league. He took Jerry Rice, who we later trader on, uh, traded later on for Lawrence Phillips, obviously. You wish you could have that one back. He is relatively new to the high stakes fan or to high stakes uh, fantasy football, but this is already his fifth year participating in various FFPC events. He is Jared Wada. These two players, Scott and Jared, beat out all eleven players in the High Society League this year. First place, fifty thousand dollars, and these guys took it home. So please welcome into the show, uh, into the show, Scott Childers and Jared Wada. Welcome into the show, guys. Hey, Eric, how you doing? This is Scott. Thanks for having me. We're very excited hey, to have you. Jared, Jared, are you also with us tonight? Yep, I'm here, Eric. Thanks a lot. Awesome to have you guys on. You know, we, we're very excited always to, you know, we have a main event winner on. We have the Football Guys Players Championship winner on. That's very exciting. You know, you beat out a 1,000 other players. But I think one of the other things that that kind of, you know, people don't realize is you get to these higher, you know, ancillary leagues with $5,000 entries, $10,000 entries, you're going up against the best high stakes players in the industry. So I think to, to beat out 11 guys, you know, the Chad Schroeders, the Jeff Tirabassi's, uh, the Wayne Ellis's, the Jack Hans of the world to beat out these guys. I mean, that's, you know, equally as impressive as beating out, uh, uh, you know, a thousand guys for a, for a six figure payday. So congrats to both of you and, and very excited to talk to you tonight. Um, Scott, I'm going to let you go first on this, uh, on the first question. And then Jared, you can chime in, but Scott, tell the audience a little bit about what you do for a living when you're not playing fantasy football. Uh, well, my background has always been finance. Currently, I'm the co-owner of uh, Wimmer Roofing, which is a you know Colorado-based roofing company. So, like my my ability to focus on fantasy football really fluctuates up and down with uh, the seasonality of basically hail out here in Denver. And Jared, what what you know? You're not in the roofing business, but what do you do for a living? Yeah, I'm actually in finance as well, and Scott Scott and I met because we were we're uh, former coworkers. But I'm currently a managing director in a um, large public consulting firm. You know, it's exciting to have you guys on on a night when Dave is actually not on the show because anytime we have any finance guys on the show, 
Dave turns the interview into investments and stocks and everything like that and stuff that literally just makes my mind explode trying to pay attention to this on the show tonight. So I'm very excited to have both you finance guys on where I can talk to you for 15, 20 minutes about fantasy football and not having Dave interrupt me uh, with all this uh, stuff that, uh, you know, not only me, but many of the listeners uh, really don't want to listen to on a Friday night. I'm sure you guys do it for a living and you can definitely understand that. So let's immediately shift the focus to fantasy football tonight. Jared, I'm going to ask you this. Um, you you guys waited in, in the high society draft. You didn't take a quarterback until round 12. Uh, it was Phillip Rivers, who obviously had a very, very good year. Uh, that made your team uh, the last team in this league to draft a quarterback. Um, I'm assuming you're you guys are are players who like to wait on quarterbacks, but can you give me a scenario in 2015 where you would draft a, a stud quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, like Andrew Luck uh, next year earlier uh, in the draft? Yeah, it's interesting. So the quarterback situation, it's actually always a hotly debated topic between Scott and myself. He's a, he's a huge proponent of drafting quarterbacks late. Um, you know, I tend to get a little more nervous. <laughs> I mean, we really just look at value when we study the ADP and we see that, you know, we try to figure out who we think is, you know, overvalued versus undervalued based upon where they're going in drafts. So with Rodgers and Luck, it's really, it's really a matter of when, when they're going to be uh, taken. I don't think we'll ever be taken, taking the first quarterback in any draft. I mean, this year with Rivers, you know, obviously – with fantasy football or anything like this, there's always a lot of luck involved. Um, we passed over Russell Wilson and RG3 and Roethlisberger to take Cody Latimer, who we thought had upside, and also is uh, Broncos, uh, which uh, Scott's a huge fan of. And then, you know, by the time the 12th round came, came to us, Rivers was kind of our only option. Scott, let me, let me ask you this. Uh, you know, there's so much we don't know about 2015, and I say this every week on the show. We're, we're we're dealing with limited information as we look forward to next year. But if if you do start the draft with a really good running back, a, a really good receiver, maybe throw in you know a couple other difference makers uh, that you that you're really satisfied with. At what point would you take? And Aaron Rodgers or Andrew Luck next year. If those guys are in the fourth round or fifth round, would you would you select them there, or is it something where you can't really answer that question right now? You have to see who else is on the board. Yeah, I'm pretty stubborn on this rule, but uh, when I was looking back at the numbers, you know, if, if we would have known in advance that Andrew Luck was going to outperform Drew Brees, you know, Manning these guys by five or six points every week, then you know, obviously we would have jumped on him over some of the other picks we had in the fourth and fifth round, he, he went in the seventh round in our league to Chad, you know, who's, uh, if you look at his draft, he had a great draft. Um, but I think, you know, the guys down where we drafted, like Roethlisberger, Russell Wilson, you know, Rivers didn't do as well as them, but we felt comfortable we could get like a top six or seven quarterback with the 12th or 13th quarterback drafted. Yeah, it always seems like every single year you look at, where quarterbacks are drafted as as compared to where they end up in the rankings, the top 12 quarterbacks are rarely the top 12 quarterbacks on the board. You usually can get a top six or seven guy uh, after those top 12 have been taken. That is for sure, uh, as long as history or as far as history is any guide. Scott, uh, when you and Jared talk strategy uh, before drafts like the high society or the other high stakes leagues that you're in, 
Was there any player, especially in 2014, was there any player uh, that you both targeted uh, this past year and wanted to make sure that you got in high society or really any other uh, of the high stakes drafts that you were in? Yeah, we, we both really liked Forte, um, you know, but in, in high society, you don't know what draft pick you're going to have until right before the draft. Uh, so I, I think we, we liked him for multiple reasons, one of them being the Bears had a bad defense. You know, Forte should get a lot of touches. Uh, later in the draft, I like Spiller a lot. I think I kind of forced that on Jared. turned out to be a really bad call. Um, but I, I would say from what I recall, those are the kind of the, the two that I remember targeting the most. Jared, when when you looked at uh, Matt Forte this year, obviously you guys are both on board with him. Is there a player – uh, going forward, looking towards next year, uh, that that sort of has similar traits, similar characteristics to the reasons why you took Matt Forte uh, in this draft. Is there any player in 2015 that you're excited about as being a front-end first-round pick next year? Yeah, I actually – I really like Antonio Brown. I liked him this year. We weren't able to get him. Um, I like him a lot. Again – you know, we look for players on teams with bad defenses. I mean, obviously, right, going to be, be a lot of offense. You know, it's a pass-happy team. Um, he runs the deep routes as well as the intermediate. You know, what we're looking really for in the first round is someone with a, a high floor as well as a high ceiling. We're talking with Scott Childers and Jared Wada. They of the FFPC 2014 High Society Championship team and netted him a $50,000 payday going up against some of the toughest drafters in the FFPC. And Jared, I got to ask you, when you're going up against such great talent, like all the players I mentioned at the top of the top of the interview, did you feel the need to overdraft anyone in particular to make sure that you got them on your team? Or was it just a, a matter of like, look, we're not going to go out of our way to go crazy on on one specific player. We're going to let the value fall to us, and we'll try to build a strong team that way. Yeah. Yeah, Eric, I don't know if there's any particular player, but I know Scott will back me up on this. The, the area that I got very, very nervous during the draft was tight end, and I think this is one of the, the uh, positions that has the most temptation to overdraft. I mean, we actually we picked up Vernon Davis in round seven, a big dud, um, and it was right after a huge run on tight ends in round six. You know, the tight end position is so thin, uh, you, you know, sometimes you, you feel the need and you give into the temptation to overdraft. And Scott, I mean, this is a question that I ask a lot of the guests, and, and I tried to avoid it tonight, but as long as we're talking about it, um, you talk about the FFPC and the Football Guys Players Championship having that point and a half uh, per catch for tight ends. How crucial is it for you guys to to sort of get a top eight, top 10, top 12 guy, whatever it might be in this type of format? I mean, are, are you making sure that you get somebody like that? Or are you confident in like, look, we'll we'll pile two or three guys on after the top 12 are gone and play matchups with that? No, we, we usually target, we, you know, like last year, I remember we, we targeted Kyle Rudolph. So basically in all the drafts we were in, like sixth round, we were taking Kyle Rudolph. This this year we liked a couple guys uh, like Jordan Reed and Zach Ertz. And uh, I think we kind of rolled the dice a little too long. Um, you know, we took Wes Welker in the sixth round, and we, we would have much rather had, uh, you know, some of these tight ends that were available or, you know, or, or as opposed to C.J. Spiller in the fifth. So I, I think – 
it's obviously a crucial uh, position with this scoring, and I think we uh, we just kind of gambled a little too long on it this year. Scott, uh, the uh, the other thing too, uh, you talk about. I mean, we've been concentrating most of our, our talk so far on the draft tonight, but obviously free agency and the waiver wires is, is a crucial point of building your team. And and throughout the the and really the entire month of December and and so far all of our shows in January, it seems like every champion we've talked to has had Odell Beckham on their team, whether they drafted him and held on to him for the duration of the season, believing in his talent, or if they picked him up like you guys did uh, in this draft and uh, and started him down the stretch. It seems like he has been a crucial component uh, of every champion this year. Uh, but I'm looking at the waiver wire of your team in this, Scott, and and Kobe Fleener was really the, the biggest waiver wire addition that, that I'm sort of seeing on this roster. Going against such tough drafters, such tough players, how important uh, was the waiver wire for you guys this year? And and how do you sort of attack that this, uh, you know, every single week, knowing that not only are you trying to make sure you get guys that you want, but you're sort of going, you know, competing for these guys on the waiver wire with your bidding bucks every single week. Yeah, and this is one of the reasons I like the 12-team format as opposed to, say, the main event, because the main event, you know, other other people in other leagues may be getting free agents that you view as, you know, too too big of a deal. Um, and I, I think for us, you know, we got Beckham for 11 bucks in week four and then Fleener for 11 bucks in week 10. And some of the some of the big money we spent on guys turned out to be bust. But I think uh, Beckham in week four, you know, a couple weeks later when he was starting to ramp up, uh, was really the turning point of our season. I think you know, in, in our playoffs, he was basically scoring a third of our team's points. So uh, I haven't seen any stats on it, but it would make sense to me that the highest percentage of championship teams, uh, you know, in the FFPC probably contained Beckham. Let me and and two, Jared. Let me piggyback this uh, on that on that question and ask you this. But how important is it to? And this is something I've always struggled with with all my teams over the past few years. How important is it when you're looking at picking up guys off the waiver wire to add them a week or two, you know, ahead of the curve? You know, seemingly before everybody else is sort of onto these players. How important is it to add these guys? And I'm not talking just about like the Odell Beckhams, the Kobe Fleeners of the world, but even defenses. When you're when you're looking down the schedule a couple of weeks in advance and looking like, oh, you know, they're at home against the Jaguars that week. You know, uh, I have to start looking at them. Oh, they got the Titans at home here. You know, this is a defense I need to look at. What what about uh, what can you say about the the skill of trying to add players and creating roster spots for them really a week or two before they'll have significant starting lineup value for you? Yeah, I think that's definitely something that Scott and Childers, you know, try to do with varying success. You know, particularly with defenses, I would say that, you know, towards the, the latter third of the season, we did look ahead, you know, at least a couple weeks. You want it because with defenses, if you pick someone up um, for a matchup, you know, two weeks from now, uh, two weeks ahead of time, you can get them for, you know, someone maybe for like five bucks that would go for, you know, 50 bucks when someone's uh knows that they're going to play I don't know the Rams or the Jets or you know some of these other other teams and then you know for free agents in the waiver wire the way that Scott and I really attack is you know we have kind of two categories we have our big bets like people that you know 
when someone just got injured, like if Fred Jackson gets injured and C.J. Spiller is going to take over, is no longer in a timeshare, right? That's your big bet kind of free uh, waiver wire. And then you have your flyers where you get on the cheap. Like we completely left out with Odell Beckham, but it was a conscious decision where we said, hey, you know, reading the news, this guy's about to get, he's available, he's about to get, he's going to get activated next week, according to some sources. We should just take a flyer. Scott Childers and Jared Wada joining the show tonight on High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. They took some flyers on some players off the waiver. $11 on Odell Beckham, $11 on Kobe Fleener before they really caught fire, and those guys helped propel these guys to a $50,000 payday. Um, now, Scott, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this. You know, Dave and I were looking at your roster earlier in the week, and, and I'm not sure exactly at what point it happened, but you ended up the season with – Six quarterbacks uh, on your team. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen that before, especially on uh, on a high society team uh, where where there's so many uh, talented players in the league. Talk a little bit about um, you know how you acquired all those quarterbacks and what the reasoning behind that was. Yeah, this is definitely not a recommended strategy, but the, but the, you know this we were we were hurting a quarterback at the end of the season because. Philip Rivers had his bad back, bad knee, bad ribs, uh, et cetera. So we didn't think we could rely on him. Um, we, you know, we were we were pretty desperate. In week 15, we actually started Johnny Manziel, which you know I'm kind of curious how what the rest of the league thought about that. That turned out to be a huge dud, which we were luckily able to overcome. Um, but after basically after week 15, we we knew we couldn't use Manziel. We weren't sure if we could use Rivers. We we were pretty locked in on our starters at all at you know running back, receiver, tight end. So we felt comfortable, you know, let's get another three or four quarterbacks. Make sure just in this last week we have one guy that we feel comfortable we can start. We ultimately ended up using Rivers, um, but we wanted to have you know a cushion just in case. There is something to be said about that too. You know, I I know a lot of high stakes owners when it gets to be the playoffs, it gets to be, you know, especially with the, with the main event in the national tournaments, it gets to be round 14 uh, rosters locked or excuse me, week 14 and rosters lock. And, and you want to make sure you have the extra kicker. Maybe you want to play defensive, uh, um, you know, uh, you know, play matchups with defenses. Uh, you have the extra quarterback, the extra tight end. There is something to be said about having the clarity of like, look, we're going to play these running backs every week. We're going to play these receivers every week. If one of them gets hurt, we have no shot of winning anyway. So let's just roll with these guys and the positions that we're weak on, like, you know, in your case, quarterback, that you want to make sure you're covered. Let's get a bunch of guys to choose from to make sure uh, that no matter what happens, uh, we're going to be uh, fielding a strong quarterback every single week with a good matchup. So I think that there is something uh, to be said about that. And I think that th that's that's something that not a lot of players uh, take into account uh, when it comes to uh, be the playoffs. Uh, a couple other questions uh, that we have from emails from other players around the country tonight, guys. And Jared, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll ask you this one first. This is from Matt in uh, Golden Valley, Minnesota. Uh, he asks, uh, if looking for value to fall to you is the number one thing you're doing in a high-stakes draft, what is the second biggest factor in assembling the best team you can? Is it acquiring talent, looking at fantasy playoff matchups, buying low on a guy who had a bad year? I always hear about players looking for value, but especially in the high-society league, there could not be many guys falling. Congrats, guys. 
That's Matt in Golden Valley, Minnesota. So Jared, obviously value is a huge thing. It's the way that uh, championship teams are built. But if there's something else that you're looking uh, to acquire on your on your uh, roster as you're building your team throughout the draft, what is it? You know, I mean, I guess it's not quite a strategy, but I think Scott and I were just have been chatting about this right ever since since uh, since we won the championship and. Um, you know, you just can't give up. <laughs> I mean, I think on at week four, I think we were below five. You know, we were like two and two, and week five we were two and three. We were last in our division. You know, we were feeling a little bit down. You know, it was a lot harder to put in the time to do. You know, the research to look at the matchups, to look at the weather, all the things that we would typically do. It was getting hard. It was feeling like a grind. Um, you know, our team wasn't shaping up. There was a lot of dis- a lot of draft disappointments. I think if you look at our draft, like it ended up being, you know, not very good at all. But, you know, we didn't give up. There's always, there's always hope. And, you know, we got, we uh, caught fire with a couple of players and some key weeks. I mean, we even had Denard Robinson. We kind of did a recap and just uh, looked back at week by week. And Denard Robinson, she like came through with a, uh, for us for a couple of weeks, picked up some valuable BP points. So you just got to keep plugging away. That's a great point, too. You look at uh, the waiver wire, uh, you know, in any high stakes league, especially the high society league, when you're acquiring a player and, and, and paying a couple hundred bucks for him, it doesn't necessarily mean you need to keep him on your roster all season. You know, you get a guy like Denard Robinson, you get two or three good games uh, out of him. Be satisfied with that. Look at how, how, you know, can his roster spot be best utilized with a different player? I think that that's uh, important to look at. Always be willing to kill your babies, uh, as they say, and uh, I, I think that that is a a true moniker uh, of uh, many high stakes champions. Scott, I'm going to throw this second email to you. This is Willie in Pomona, California. With so much money on the line in this league, did you guys disagree a lot on who to draft or who to start each week, and how do you sort of mediate that and come together on making one decision? when you each have differing opinions. That's Willie in Pomona, California. So Scott, we've had a, a couple of uh, co-managers uh, you know, come on the show before and talk about this, but how do you and Jared sort of work through your differences when you know you, you can only start one player, you can only draft one player at a certain spot? How do you sort of work through that and uh, you know, sort of come to a, a general consensus or conclusion on that? I would say we're, we're usually pretty in agreement, but I think when, when there are disagreements, we pretty much agree that the, the tiebreaker will go to projections that we can pull off from a couple sources that we trust. Um, we, we also, we, we never, we, we basically agree to never change our lineup on Sunday morning unless it's weather related, because that always seems to be where we make the biggest mistakes. Um, we also would never start a player because he happens to be on TV, so we could watch him on Thursday night or Monday night. <laughs> Um, you know, th- those are those are common mistakes that I've made in other leagues for sure. Um, I, I think we're pretty methodical about it and very statistically oriented, and we'll rely on the numbers except when there's some weather bias. Jared, does that make sense to you to to sort of you know uh, when you you fundamentally disagree to sort of go to a third source of. Uh, you know, whether it be football guys or, or another advice website where you sort of like, okay, look, you see it this way. I see it this way. Let's say, let's see what a quote unquote expert has to say about it. And we'll just let that be the tiebreaker. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, that's what we do rely on 
upon stats and the projections. And, you know, one thing, I mean, we look at several, we look at football guys, we look at CBS Sports Line, Roto World, um, the huddle. And, uh, you know, we also, like, like Scott said, I mean, we are, unfortunately, you know, fancy geeks. And so we get pretty analytical. Uh, you know, we, we actually track and we see which, which projection service we feel is doing is doing the best that season up to that point. And even on that player, are they underperforming or overperforming projections, you know, on a week to week basis. So not that exciting. Sounds kind of geeky, but that's, that's the process that we go through. Sometimes geeky is what uh, takes home the cash, and it certainly paid off for you guys this year in high society. Uh, as we look forward to next season uh, in uh, in high-stakes leagues, be it the high society, be the FFPC main event, uh, Jared, I'll, I'll throw this to you first, and then, Scott, you can chime in uh, on this. I don't know if you guys have, you know, one player together or, you, you know, as a as a sleeper, one, one player as a bust, but feel free to chime in with as many players uh, as you like or dislike, but... Uh, Knowing what we know now, give us a player that you uh, want to make sure that you get on your team in 2015, and then one player that you're actually going to stay away from in drafts next year. And Jared, I'll let you go first. Yeah, so I guess, you know, Odell Beckham definitely has, has a special place in my heart. I really felt like he carried us. Um, I, liked, I liked the player that he is, too. I mean, we've all seen the YouTube videos. But just the fact that he kind of runs all the routes, um, but you know, who knows his value is going to be through the roof. So that'll be interesting. Uh, you know, I think one player that I'm definitely going to stay away from, although I say this every year, and he does end up on our roster is CJ Spiller. He's <laughs> like this ultimate tease. I mean, he just constantly, you know, it's, he's got fragile Fred Jackson as his timeshare and he holds that Freddie held up a lot better than he did this season. And, and you know this the CJ Spiller thing. I mean, it's so difficult for all of us, all high stakes players, to sort of shake that 2012 out of our memory because what he did that year, it, it was historic. What he did on a yards per carry basis, yards per touch basis, it was insane. So it's difficult for us to sort of separate what we saw, what the stats say, uh, into what he did in 2013. What he did in 2014? Are you going to bite the bullet and take him in 2015? I don't know. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, Scott, this this is something that I feel like I've asked a lot of the high-stakes players, uh, given the explosion of Odell Beckham. There was a thread on the Football Guys message board a few weeks ago. I think it's still up there. I think people are still posting on it, about Odell Beckham being the number one overall choice next year over all the running backs, over DeMarco Murray, Le'Veon Bell, um, you know, whoever it would be, Jamal Charles, LaShawn McCoy. Is Odell Beckham a guy that you would take number one overall next year, Scott, or are you looking towards somebody else? Yeah, I would say definitely not. I don't I don't see where he is going to have one overall value based on a few great weeks of performance. I, I think there's a lot of young receivers that are uh, pretty exciting. You know, if you look at like Moncrief or Jordan Matthews, um, Cody Latimer, who I'm very high on. We actually we drafted him, cut him, picked him up, cut him, picked him up again. Um, if he gets a chance, I think he's going to be awesome out here. I don't think you need to. I don't think you need to spend a one, number one overall on Beckham. 
This is such a treat, guys, because, you know, I've been doing this show uh, for 45 minutes by myself tonight. Now, you know, you were probably very excited to come on the, the the show tonight in the hopes of talking to the legend, the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak. And, and I told you he wasn't going to be on. Special treat, chiming in from Las Vegas tonight. I want to welcome onto the show my co-host, Dave Gerzak. Dave, how is Vegas tonight? Guys, it's a sausage fest out here, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> we have uh, we have Scott Childers and, and Jared Watt on the the high society champs uh, this year. We're very excited to have him on, Dave. I don't know if you saw uh, any of the uh, the questions that Rob and I uh, helped prep them, but did you have any questions for Scott and Jared tonight? <laughs> you know, honestly, I've been listening to Matthew Barry give out awards to stuff. You know, so no, not a, I have no questions. Uh, congratulations on the big victory, guys! It's such a great achievement, though. Yeah, thank you very much. Dave, do you want to do you want to hang out just for a little bit, and, and I'm going to ask uh, Scott and Jerry what they yeah. plan to do with the money. Yeah, I'll just listen. Okay, perfect. Uh, so, Scott, I'm going to ask you first uh, on this question. A fifty thousand dollar purse was first place in the High Society League this year. Uh, I assume you and Jared are going to split that in some denomination. But what do you plan on doing with your share of the money, Scott? kind of pre-celebrated before I even collected. I met Jared out in Vegas. I was lucky to come out with basically what I went in with. Um, you know, if I can talk <laughs> my wife into it, I would really like to get a Jeep Wrangler. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what's ahead. A Jeep Wrangler Sweet. for the Childers. I, I like it quite a bit. Jared, you obviously went out to Vegas and partied a little bit with some of the money that was coming to you. What about the rest of the money? Uh, well, I just got married this past June, so this is definitely going to help recoup some of those uh, expenses. And then also, uh, my wife has made me promise to take her to Paris, so we're going there this March, and this is that's uh, compensation for losing me every Sunday for the past. Yeah, past <laughs> and then, Vegas. Uh, finally, you know, Scott and I are banking our 2015 high society entry fee because. We're going to hopefully, you know, give it a go and shot at defending the title. Oh, that would be quite legendary if you were able to go back to back. So Scott spends it on a Vegas trip. Jared, you uh, are recouping some of the uh, expenses from your marriage and also going to Paris. What an exciting time uh, for both of you guys. Very excited to have you join the show tonight. And congratulations to you both. I look forward uh, to seeing you guys defend the belt next year. Thanks so much for joining us. Enjoy the conference championship games on Sunday, and good luck in 2015, guys. Yeah, and good luck to everyone else out there. Thanks for having us. Yep, thank you very much. It was great. Scott Childers, Scott Jared Wada joining the show tonight. Very excited to have them on. Uh, Dave, I, I don't know what sort of your plans are. We have 14 minutes left in the show. I have some emails to go through. I'm very excited to hear what happened in the FSTA. Do you want to hang out for a few more minutes and, and help me answer those? Yeah, Bucky, let's go, baby. I'll just hang out and we'll right. talk. Well, okay. I'm, I'm going to get – Rob is going to give me the emails right now. Can you give us any fantasy nuggets that sort of our FFPC players might be interested in in uh, what happened in Vegas over the past couple of days? Oh, man. I mean, you know, the conference – you know, they talked a lot about the explosion of daily fantasy sports and how big it is and how big it's getting. And, uh, you know, it, it is really pretty incredible, actually. So that's been a real interesting thing to look at. Um, you know, I found out that a lot of African-Americans don't play fantasy sports as if we didn't know that. And also, I actually got the seal of approval, by the way, from almost everyone I talked to about having all African-American guests for the uh, month of February <laughs> to, cel to celebrate Black History Month. I think it's, it's a great a idea. 
we need to reach out to our friends and uh, and get this knocked out, Balky. When when you say you got the approval of everybody out there, quote unquote, who is everybody? Well, you know, it's like Alex and uh, and Dodds. So it's two guys. You know, they got to you know, and, and Joe Bryant thought it was you know, cool too. So yeah. Oh, well. I'll tell you what, anything that gets, you know, anything that I have that's questionable material on the show, if Joe Bryant gives his uh, a stamp of approval on it, I know it's probably going to happen. So, well, we'll look forward to that in February. More to come on that. Let's, um, Actually, let's, know, let's the- be truthful. Let Lenny and Chris also said it was, it was cool. <laughs> I have no <laughs> doubt about that. They're, Lenny and Chris are on board with everything we do here. Of course, Lenny Papano from uh, DraftSharks.com, Chris Lambert from uh, from DraftSharks and the FFPC. Very excited to have them on board for this. Uh, Dave, our mutual friend, Tupacker, actually sent in an email this week. He writes, longtime listener, first-time emailer, nice write-up about the FFPC, FPC, and pro versus Joe winners. However, nobody gives a blank radio edit to Hoot about them or dynasty the people want to hear on the show about who won the milk duds league and 750 auction league the people have spoken now go spread the word peace love and public intoxication number one twitter fan two packer so i think it, it is time the ffpc email wasn't enough i think we need to give two packer his just due and congratulate him on not only winning the milk duds ffpc main event league this year but also the 750 auction yeah he did really well i mean you know he's a friend of ours he comes to kentucky uh, he plays, you know, usually he's totally bombed for most of his drafts. And he, I think he said he was so hungover for this auction, he could barely get through it. But it must have allowed him to focus well enough to do well in it. So congratulations to Packer. Sometimes that happens when, uh, you know, when you're painted into a corner, sometimes that's when the <laughs> real genius comes out. So congratulations uh, to him on on uh, winning those leagues. Uh, now for the real emails. But by the way, Tupacker actually had to tell me in person that he sent this email to me. I later found it in uh, the FedEx inbox spam filter. So I don't know what uh, Tupacker is using that email address for, but it showed up on our spam. Uh, he had to tell <laughs> me to, uh, to read it on air. Anyway. Robin Bethesda, Maryland, dear Mac and Dennis, I own Carlos Hyde and Colin Kaepernick in a dynasty league, and I'm wondering how their stocks are affected with an in-house defensive guy in Jim Tomsula. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Tomsula, Rob? Tomsula. Taking over as head coach. Is it time to strike while the iron is hot, or are their values going to go up? That's Rob and Bethesda, Maryland. So you have the defensive line coach and Jim Tomsula taking over the 49ers as their head coach. Does this do anything to the dynasty values of Carlos Hyde and Colin Kaepernick in your minds, Dave? You know, for Kaepernick, I don't think he has a high perceived dynasty value in general because he's been so semi-mediocre. I mean, he's been hot occasionally, but not hot enough to really get anything. And quarterbacks are generally devalued, so I think you hang on to Kaepernick. And I don't think I don't think Hyde really takes a hit. However, I, you know, I don't think Hyde's the guy you want to sell when he's still coming into his own. I mean, if you want, if you really don't like Hyde's talent, you know, talent or skill set. Wait till like week three or four of next year after he has a few good games and then trade him off when you're getting really full value for him. My personal policy has always been make sure all of your dynasty guys are always on the block. You never know what kind of uh, deal you're going to get for them, especially in the FFPC dynasty leagues, which, of course, you can pick up a team right now. Uh, those are posted on the board, but very, very active traders uh, in those leagues. So definitely uh, it, it behooves you to see what you can always get for them. I own Carlos Hyde in a dynasty league, and I am sitting tight on him right now. Um, you know, obviously, if, if uh, the postseason puff pieces are getting out of control, yeah, I'm probably going to move him 
Uh, but I'm excited to see what he does next year, especially if Frank Gore is no longer there. And David, I'd be remiss to mention, uh, of course, sports betting man chiming in in the chat room uh, right now. He says to tell you that the guy in the commercial, which he thinks is former sponsor of the show, Southwest Airlines, where he hands four people their coffee, reminds him of you. <laughs> I, I don't know if I've seen that commercial, but I'll have to look out for it. It, it's not ringing a bell. Uh, uh, Lance, if you could, uh, of course, uh, post there, a link to that commercial if you find I'm it on sure YouTube. I'm sure he's a really hot guy. I'm sure he's really yeah, good looking. I have no doubt. I think that goes without saying that it's a very attractive man. Uh, but post that on our Facebook page so we can we can all uh, you know vote on that and, and see where we stand. Paul in Lindbrook, New York, what are your, albeit early, dynasty thoughts on Marcus Mariota? he the type of guy to grab in the late first or early second of my rookie draft i currently have eli manning and Derek carr on my roster keep up the sometimes good work that's paul <laughs> in lindbrook new york so marcus mariota dave he, he came out and declared for the draft this week uh we're talking about him in fantasy circles as far as the nfl draft goes as maybe the number one overall pick maybe he slides towards uh, out of the you know out of the top five sounds like he's probably going to be a top ten pick. What do you think about him for dynasty? Uh, you know a lot. There's a lot of concern, which I do kind of share about the offense that they ran, and that, that it's still quarterback friendly, and it's not a pro type offense. And, and he, he didn't look all that outstanding in the national championship game. I mean, having said that, at the end of the first early second, if, if I think he's going to get drafted earlier than that in in dynasty rookie drafts, if he falls to that point. I'd have to take a look at him given that, given that quarterback situation. I would have to, have to consider it. As long as you have deep enough rosters to carry at least the three quarterbacks throughout the regular season and then make a decision at the end of it. Paul does not write here how deep his dynasty league is, but I would say if you're in an FFPC standard dynasty league with uh, 12 players, um, to me, Eli Manning and Derek Carr, I'd be fine with those guys and, and go to battle with them going forward. If I have a pick in the late first or early second, I'm swinging for the fences and taking a running back or a receiver there, you know, a guy who could hit. Um, if Marcus Mariota hits, I mean, that's fine, but he is a quarterback, which kind of in a one quarterback league is, is a little bit devalued compared to uh, starting having to start two running backs each week, two receivers each week. So I'm looking elsewhere. Uh, I'm not taking Mariota at that point. Um, moving on, Stephen in Denver, Colorado. What are the chances that Marcus Colston will be a saint next year? And should I be looking to find a roster spot for Brandon Coleman on my Dino squad now? I own Colston and would be cutting Robert Turbin to get Coleman as my number five receiver. Currently, I have Dez, Brandon Marshall, Decker, and Martavis Bryant as my top four. That's Stephen in Denver, Colorado. So I believe the question here, Dave, is do does he cut Marcus, or excuse me, he owns Colston. Does he cut Robert Turbin to get Brandon Coleman on his team uh, as, as sort of Colston insurance for 2015 in his Dino League? It's actually a kind of good question. Um, I don't know if I give Coleman that much credit to really to really be an impact player. It just seems like the odds are so stacked against him. If you want a Brandon on that team, you want Brandon Cooks, obviously, um, which doesn't really help him out. I guess I'd keep Turbin because there's so much uncertainty with Seattle. I mean, everyone, you know, is anointing Chris and Michael as the next guy. Turbin's look good in limited action. I, I guess I, I probably wouldn't do that. I probably keep uh, Turbin. Yeah, for me, running backs, uh, they're so much more impactful than receivers, at least in, in in the initial, you know, first couple of years that they're the man. I think that, and I've said this on the show before. I think that it's a little presumptuous just to assume that Michael is going to be the man in Seattle. 
Marshawn Lynch could be there in 2015. I mean, again, given his um, sort of, um, you know, attitude towards the media there and, and towards um, um, or a- attitude in general. <laughs> attitude in general, really. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think that, you know, Seattle might want to wash their hands of him and move on to Turbin and Michael and not want to pay him next year. Um, but there is a possibility. What if Seattle wins a Super Bowl, which given they are the favorites to do so right now, they bring Lynch back and now all of a sudden Michael and Turbin, you're still waiting on them in 2015. Um, but I am not willing to give up on Turbin for what I perceive as a more of a long shot lottery ticket in Brandon Coleman, even if I own Colston. So I am hanging tight there. I don't feel like there's anything that's going to happen in the off season that's going to drive Brandon Coleman's price up so much that you won't be able to acquire him later on. Uh, final email we have from Luis in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. He writes, Ola, <laughs> I just started playing fantasy football last year, but I have been a Bills fan for many years. Do you think EJ Manuel will be the quarterback next year, and will I have to draft him high to get him on my team? Gracias, amigos. That is Luis in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. So EJ Manuel, uh, of course, Rex Ryan taking over as quarterback, or excuse me, head coach. God, can you imagine Rex Ryan as a quarterback there? Rex Ryan taking <laughs> over as head coach in Buffalo. Greg Roman coming from San Francisco to be the offensive coordinator for Buffalo. What do you think about EJ Manuel in 2015, Dave? I mean, I don't think you need to. I mean, he's not a player that may even get drafted in redraft leagues. He's just a guy you could probably pick off up, pick up off waivers. Um. You know, and that you know Roman. I don't know, man. It just doesn't seem. It doesn't excite me really too much. I mean, Ryan's such a defensive-minded coach. He got a little bit of production out of Geno Smith at the end of last year, but uh, yeah, you never know. EJ could break. I mean, there's always that potential. He could break out. Sometimes it takes guys a while. But I'm just not getting too excited about EJ Manuel. You know, and, and I'm a Florida State fan. Obviously, EJ Manuel was the quarterback before Jameis Winston uh, for the Seminoles. And EJ Manuel is a guy that reminds a lot of people in the NFL of Colin Kaepernick, a, a raw quarterback that Greg Roman took uh, and molded him into a a fantasy, like a a um, a fairly um, fairly fantasy player. <laughs> he molded him into a relevant player in, in fantasy. So, and I think that that was part of Rex Ryan's attitude towards hiring Greg Roman as the offensive coordinator. He's like, look, I saw what you did with Colin Kaepernick. Can you do the same with EJ Manuel here? So I, again, I'm with you. I'm not getting super excited about drafting him next year, but if I do wait on quarterback and he's my, you know, if I get like a, a big Ben type or a, uh, an Eli Manning or or somebody in those mid rounds, and if EJ Manuel is the starter in Buffalo, I might look at him as my backup uh, quarterback that I can play uh, in in good matchups. Um, but again, we'll have to see what happens. Um, I don't think the Buffalo offense is changing a whole lot, given that they don't have a whole lot of money, they don't have a whole lot of draft picks to make uh, to get difference makers on that offense. Uh, but we'll see. You know, Sammy Watkins and a healthy CJ Spiller, if they are able to resign him. Uh, would certainly lighten the load on EJ Manuel quite a bit. Dave, I don't want to keep you uh, any longer. Thanks for joining the show tonight, man. And you are going to be rejoining us next week, correct? Yes, sir. I'll be back in uh, the hinterland of Wisconsin and all the cold weather uh, tomorrow afternoon. So I'm, I'm back. Well, I will uh, look forward to that. We'll, we'll have to see what we're doing. But uh, have a safe flight back, man. All right. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. See you, Bucky. Dave Gerzak, of course, the Dizzle, joining the show tonight uh, remotely from Las Vegas at the uh, FSTA convention. And that will uh, do it 
uh, for tonight's show, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank Dave Gerzek, of course. Scott Childers, Jared Wada, the 2014 FFPC High Society Champs Nationwide Insurance, Papa John's, FedEx, the FFPC, our producer, and mutual video engineer, Bryce, and uh, most importantly, all of the listeners out there. I'm going to be on Sirius XM 21087 uh, Tuesday afternoon. We're shifting it. I won't be on late nights anymore. I'm going to be on in the afternoon. It's drive time, baby, with Jeff Manns, Ted Schuster, and the Fantasy Alarm uh, this coming Tuesday afternoon. Next week, Dave, as he said, will be back on the show. We're going to have 2014 Terminator champs Jason Lenz and Kurt Bork on the show next week. They'll tell us how they uh, won that league. Enjoy the games on Sunday, ladies and gentlemen. And, of course, your conference this has been another episode of the starts Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that is broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week.